Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Good morning, everybody. Welcome on in. It's Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Big fight night to react to last night. UFC 259 from the Apex in Las Vegas. A triple title fight night, which I'm not typically a huge fan of. Although when you have Amanda Nunes as one of those title fights, it certainly helps with the timing of things because uh, she is a buzzsaw. And we'll get to the GOAT in, uh, in just a little bit. But man, it was a... Big controversial night in the UFC, especially with regards to the first title matchup of the night, which was uh, Piotr Jan taking on Aljamain Sterling. It was the fight I was looking forward to the most. Uh, we had the, the chance to talk to Aljamain this week. I've been you know, hoping for the Funk Master to get himself a crack of the belt for a long time, and I picked him to win this fight. Um, but it was uh, it, it definitely ended on a sour note. It, it definitely ended on a, on a sour note. Um, to, to, for those who didn't see it last night, I'm sure you've seen the headlines of it, but Jan in the midst of the fourth round where things really were turning the direction of, he was looking like he was about to close the show. Um, in my, in my card, he was up two one. He was on his way to being up three one, you know, just looked, uh, you know, they mentioned this on the broadcast and I thought they were pretty spot on about that. Aljamain looked like. You know, kind of that he that he that he just went in that first round, almost went went almost two pedal to the metal, and it was like a lot of movement with not a lot of effect. Like he was he was throwing a lot of volume at at, at Piotr, but uh, the but you know got a couple knees through, never really got a takedown, never really you know Jan wasn't engaging at all in in uh in, in ground stuff, and then just everything that Jan did was efficient. I didn't even give him that first round because. Um, he knocked him down at one point. You know, he had the biggest shot of the round, even with all that said. I did think that Aljo was able to uh, to get the second round because Jan didn't really land anything. Aljamain was very busy. Um, you know, and then the third round hits up, and Jan's just, his striking was crisp. He was outlanding. It was the first uh, round he was starting to outland Aljo. Uh, he was hitting him with these leg kicks. He was getting these trip takedowns that were really easy for him. 
And Sterling looked like he was getting in his head a little bit. He was still in the fight, but you could tell that he was getting a little bit demoralized, I think, especially with his inability to really take Jan down uh, with any separation from the cage. Like He got him in some clinch work that was, uh, I think, effective from not getting struck, but he really didn't have any offense to put throughout. Um, then the fourth round goes about, and it, it is starting to, you know, Jan is starting to find his range. He's getting a lot of straight shots down the pipe on Aljamain Sterling, who's really just kind of coming forward. His movement is less, uh, less fluid. He's not going from side to side as much. And so they end up in this weird takedown position. And, you know, they were kind of playing. Here's the thing. They were kind of in this game all, all fight of Aljamain ended up on the ground a lot. And sometimes it wasn't even takedown. Sometimes he was, he was doing a lot of spins, you know, his funk master thing, you know, spinning elbows, spinning kicks. Um, you know, it was truly trying to scramble for takedowns on Jan and just would end up on the ground a lot. And Jan would kind of just basically let him lie there until the referee said, Hey, stand, you're going to stand. Are we going to go? What do we do? And I think Jan was getting a little bit frustrated with it. I'm not making excuses. Trust me. I'm going to give him his criticism in a second, but I think I'm trying to figure out what the hell happened that inevitably led to the end of this fight. But Jan, I think was maybe getting a little bit frustrated that, Aljamain was always in this come on down to the ground thing and he would you know he would hit him with some kicks he was doing some axe kicks that almost you know hit the sternum of Aljamain but it ends up in this in this place where Aljamain is so clearly on the ground he's on two knees with the hands down on the ground grounded as it gets as an opponent you know new rules old rules because it was one of those things where when you saw it happen he got Boom, knee right in the face. And I immediately shouted at my television, you can't do that. Not that like anybody was there to hear me, but I was just like, you can't do that. And the referee stops it. And Aljamain had to be in a lot of pain. You know, he, he, he first of all got blasted right in the face in a round that he was already getting, getting pummeled in. And, you know, you take a blast like that Anytime a, a, a knee, we've seen what that that weapon can do to people when you're able to defend yourself, when you're defenseless. You know, I almost want to be like Dave Lamont. He's defenseless. Uh, but this th this was as blatant as it gets from Pierre de Jong. like inexplicably bad with this with this knee to Aljamain Sterling's face and. You know, you can see right away Aljamain is in a great deal of pain. Um, he's not getting up. He's uh, he's very foggy. They bring in the official. He's trying to, like, stand up. He stands up at one point. He doesn't feel good. He lies down and says that feels a little bit better because uh, he's clearly concussed. And the official brings in the doctor. The doctor and them talk briefly and... They, they wave it off. Now, the thing that's interesting about it, they say in the midst of all the chaos, is that the official told Jan he is downed. So that is an intentional illegal strike. It's not unintentional. Where if it was unintentional, I believe they would have gone to the scorecards. If it's an intentional foul like that, that's disqualification loss on the on the spot of, of Piotr Jan. So... Aljamain's going to win the belt if he wants to continue. This isn't even a case of 
he's able to go on and it's going to be a no contest and or it's going to be a DQ belt doesn't change hands like WWE style. It's not like that. You lose, you lose the belt, you lose the fight, you lose the belt. And so it's a really crappy spot for Aljamain because nobody wants to win the belts like that. You're not, not a guy who has been fighting his whole career has been looking to get to this moment, has been looking to everything he worked for, bled for, trained for. Nobody wants to win the title like that. And, you know, somehow you have a moment like that. Like, you already have, you know, jackass callouts like Cody Garbrandt and TJ Dillashaw who are like, you better not take the belt with you. Uh, or TJ Dillashaw, who's like, great acting job, which is, you know, coming, you know, funny coming from EPO boy. Um of telling people what they should do when the rules are broken. But the blame so squarely has to be put on, on, on Piotr Jan, all of it, all of it, not a, a shred has to go to Aljamain for not continuing that fight. You are the mother bleeping champion of the world. This is a sport that doesn't have many rules. Okay. It's don't kick people in the nuts, don't gouge them in the eyes, and don't knee them or kick them when they're down. This this is not uh this, this is not like rocket science here, you know. Like we've had vast debates. The the biggest debate they can come up with is uh, you know, is one is uh three points down or four points down. I like think the biggest debate that they can come up with over the over the span of the sport because it has so few rules. Uh, in regards to what you can and cannot do, you can't headbutt. I mean, like the, the, these are these are the rules of mixed martial arts. I haven't even got have I gotten to five rules yet, and one of them everybody knows is you can't you can't hit a downed opponent with a with uh, you can't kick or knee a downed opponent. And for the champion of the world to have such an egregious misstep of that, and it to be bad. You know, he should lose the belt. I'm sorry. Like, we can sit here and argue whether or not Aljamain should be champion. Fine. He doesn't want to be champion that way. So I find it to be a dumb thing. Well, you should just vacate the belt then, man. Like, hey, dude, what, what, is the, what does it matter? The guy who has the belt wrapped around his waist did the did the sportsman-like thing. It's not like he he, t- he took a victory lap. If anything, and Chuck Liddell said this best about Jan, Jan having his fist raised was like so clueless as to what you just did that you would have your fist raised in, the, in victory after what you did. Like, come on, man. And to the people who are saying Aljamain Sterling is looking for a way out, come on, dude. Are we serious about that? We really think that that these guys, the toughest of the tough, they're looking for a way out when he when he's sitting there. Cry- First of all, I guarantee he didn't even know it when he when he stopped the fight because he's sitting there bawling his eyes out, bawling his eyes out because everything that he worked for ended like that, and he's and he's and he's sobbing into the octagon in front of the world to see, and, and, and yet people are sitting here complaining about whether or not that guy is the real. He doesn't see himself as the real champion. He doesn't see himself as. Uh, undisputed. This is, you know, this is the only thing that's undisputed right now is that Piotr is the undisputed jackass of the UFC because he completely pissed away his championship with with uh, 
I mean, just such a blatant break of the rules. It's dumb. It was dumb. And, you know, it is really intolerable. It should have been done the way that it is. Because, again, we're not talking about a sport that has a ton of rules. This is not boxing. This is not rabbit punches. Don't punch behind the head. Don't hold and hit. Don't all these scientific ways that you you you, you want to correctly punch somebody. It's, it's you know, it, it really is. Don't hit the eyes. Don't hit the nuts. Don't punch. Or don't don't kick or knee a downed opponent. That's it. Otherwise, don't headbutt. Then have at it. Otherwise, human cockfighting. We're going at it. So yeah, there obviously will be a rematch, uh, which again goes to uh, the idea of oh, well, you should lose the belt. He absolutely should lose the belt. He absolutely should. You think that guy should be champion after that? Like, that's what people think. You think that you should be allowed to do that and still be world champion. You should be allowed to, like, would, let me ask you this. Would it be different to people if if it was a, a more disputed 2-2? Or if it was, uh, if it was let's say, let's say, let's say Aljamain was winning. We had a situation with Eddie Alvarez, Dustin Poirier, uh, not too long, where Dustin was winning a fight against against uh eddie alvarez ended up taking an illegal knee and i believe that was ruled a no contest because they ruled that inadvertent but if it was more that situation where aljamain was winning and and was illegally need would people think of it differently is it i I think part of this has to do with well you feel like pietian was on his way to winning and he was on his way to victory but hold on like it's not like aljo hadn't taken some big bombs in that fight already. It's not like Aljamain Sterling hadn't toughed through some stuff already, and he has an entire round left to finish the fight. Do I think he does it via knockout? No, but is it possible that Aljamain Sterling could boa constrict his way around some way to to submit Pyotian? Yeah, it's possible. Not probable. It's possible. And if you take that opportunity away because you don't know the damn rules of mixed martial arts... That's on you. You're the world champion. You're the world champion. And you don't know what to do. And then there's these accusations from uh, the, uh, the, the corner was even telling him, do it. Jesus. So, yeah, I, I don't come out of last night with a lot of sympathy for, for Pyotr I don't. He'll get his crack again. He'll get another shot at the belt. They'll obviously do a rematch. You know, he, 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 Victor dragged him, you know, this is Creed two all over again, winning the fight. Clearly he hits a down to Donna's Creed and, uh, we move on to the rematch. So we'll see what happens for Aljamain. Um, you know, I do think that Aljo needs to, needs to have a, you know, probably pace himself a little bit better. Um, you know, he's, he's almost, he's, he's just, he was throwing way too much. Because I did pick Aljo to win the fight. I mean, if you want to go to the parts of the fight that weren't um, <laughs> that weren't illegal, yeah, Jan was definitely more efficient. He was calculated. He's just it was basically his straight one two, and those trip takedowns. I think we're a little bit demoralizing to Aljamain that he was, um, I think, looked upon as the better grappler in this, and he really didn't show that for much of this. And so, what did he have to resort to? Had to really resort to speed and volume, but really didn't hit Piotrion with anything of of significance. So, yeah, it's not likely that he comes and wins that fifth round. I think we all probably thought, yeah, it was going to be 3-1 after that. 
I know I did. I had my notes. I was writing it down. I was looking. I was like, yeah, it's going to be three, one. One of the judges had, you know, the, the, the crew got a little bit crazy. Cause they were like, Oh, how could somebody have it? Uh, two, one, like, if you went purely volume in the first round, I don't even see what the scorecards were, but if you went purely volume in the first round, you could have given the first two rounds to Aljamain Sterling. You could have. I don't agree with it, but you you could have. You know, you gotta you gotta you gotta know. Like this was happening in the main event, which we'll get to uh, a little bit later on. But like, there's such a narrative sometimes that's built with broadcasting that things seem more outrageous than they really are. And yeah, Aljamain, like if you're a person who went with volume or amount of strikes um, or pace or octagon control. Yeah, Aljamain Sterling won that first round. Um, if you're a guy like me, I usually I don't, I don't, usually like to go with, like, what is the moment of the round? What seems like it really swung it? Typically, a, a knockdown blow like that wins a round for me, you know? Um, unless, like, the guy was just tremendous the other way for the majority of the round. But I, I feel like a lot of times we get a little bit too complex with how we grade these things, you know? But as far as... As far as Jan is concerned, and I know that he apologized afterwards. Here was, um, let me get the uh, the actual tweet from him. Because he apologized to uh, Funkmaster on Twitter. He uh, he says, I apologize and wish a speedy recovery to, to uh, Aljamain Sterling. I did not mean to throw that illegal strike. I just made a big mistake and I paid for it. You know, as accountable as you can get in the, uh, in the aftermath. Um... Aljamain tweeted out last night is uh, not the way I ever want to win a fight. It was not close. Uh, it was close and competitive. Excuse me. It was close, competitive and filled with action. I felt the knee was intentional, especially after the ref announced that I was a downed opponent. So I didn't expect to get hit. Jan is a bad dude. We will do it again. I don't know if he means he's a bad dude. Like he's a bad dude for throwing the knee or if he's a bad dude, like, oh, it's a bad dude, you know, but, um, I think it's the latter. And then he also, uh, commented on the video finally getting to watch the sequence it's heartbreaking to watch and i think we all felt i think we all felt aljo's pain watching that it was a, it was a, it was tough to see him so upset in that moment uh like that but you know they'll run it back like this is inevitably going to have a, a place where we'll have the end result that we want um but it, Jan absolutely does not deserve to be the world champion today after doing that uh, if you have a problem with Aljamain Sterling having a belt wrapped around his waist for a nanosecond, fine. If you're going to have this egregious problem with him being introduced second by Bruce Buffer, don't buy the fight. I don't know what to tell you. But ultimately, the bigger problem is uh, Piotr should not be champion. And then Aljamain, you know, hope, you know, will get a little bit of a bump in his contract because technically he is champion. So good for him. Um We'll get into the rest of the card. A lot of stuff happened at UFC uh, 259 last night. Amanda Nunes, you know, just keeps on going like the, the most unstoppable train in sports. And we will get to Jan Blahovich and Israel Adesanya and their title fight as well. We're back after this. Welcome back. Tone's Fight Show here on 7 Eye the Ticket. Thanks, everybody, for joining as we recap UFC 259 from last night. Uh, let me uh, dedicate this next part to the GOAT, Amanda Nunes. And her great performance against Megan Anderson, as dominant as it gets once again for Amanda, as she sliced through her like a hot knife through butter. 
uh, cracked her right on the skull a couple of times, uh, got her to the ground, and immediately transitioned into a triangle, then to an arm bar. That was all she wrote. Diced her up in the uh, in the cool count of two minutes and three seconds. Uh, she is, I mean, just amazing. She has not lost since 2014 and a loss to Kat Zingano. She is, uh, you know, the best there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be when it comes to, uh, I mean, for sure, women's mixed martial arts. I, 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 and I, I, I tweeted this out last night. I don't even feel like GOAT has become such a term that we throw around left and right. You know, we tweet out the GOAT emoji. This is the GOAT. That's the GOAT. She needs like the, the Pokemon evolved level of GOAT, whatever that is. Amanda Nunes needs that that crown upon her head. She's such a badass. She's such a, uh, you know, it was so amazing to see her do that. Then get to hold her baby daughter, introduce her baby uh, to Megan Anderson, who she just uh, nearly broke her arm. Honey, this is Zoomami nearly snapped her arm. And, you know, just, just awesome. Awesome to see what she does night in and night out, how she's able to top herself. Basically, every time she goes out there, some of the finishes that she's come up in, you know, with so many things in sports that are disputed, there's just no dispute about this, that she's the greatest woman to ever grace the octagon. She's beaten anybody who could have a claim at that. Ronda Rousey, Misha Tate, Holly Holm, Chris Cyborg, I think was the absolute solidifier of all that. And even two wins over Valentina Shevchenko that are razor thin. And, you know, we all think that's the only person that could really be competitive with her. Um, even though Valentina's found her niche, she's found her smaller weight class where she's probably better off and, and probably is the difference. You know, I think as we'll get into in the main event, sometimes size matters in fighting and that's okay. That's why there are weight classes to begin with. And this is not a uh, gladiator, but she is a gladiator. I mean, she is really like, she, she goes out there and the way she unleashes on these opponents is just so amazing. And, um, you know, she just says, like, she continues to get better. You know, she says, you know, a lion's always ferocious, but nothing's more ferocious than a, uh, a mother lion defending her cubs. And so if we're going to see even a better version of Amanda Nunes, that's crazy. Um, this is inevitably going to bring up, like, you know, oh, should she go fight men and all that type of stuff? Like, I think we should learn from the Ronda Rousey thing. Like, let's not do things that are stupid. Um, you know, is Amanda Nunes skilled to, to go beat some fighters that have a penis? Definitely, probably so. But I think it's okay to just, you know, celebrate how great she is in the places, in, in, in what she's done on her resume by itself. And really, what should really be the thing that is uh, the biggest nod to her is just saying, like, yeah, she's just one of the best pound-for-pound fighters of all time. This is not one that has to be genderfied. You don't have to go and say, oh, she's one of the greatest female fighters of all time. Just put her amongst everybody. She's one of the best pound-for-pound fighters of all time. She really is. And honestly, that pound-for-pound list that doesn't have her on it, it really should. Like, if we think about it, the UFC fight, she should be amongst the pound-for-pound best on the planet because nobody comes close. I wonder if she will crack it ever. I wonder if anybody would just, like, I don't know how if they're even allowed to vote, but, like, it's uh, it's one of those things where she's just that good. She's just that good. She's that spectacular, and and it's just that thrilling to watch because, you know, I think I didn't think Megan Anderson had a chance at hell. I didn't dedicate much time on the show last week talking about it because, 
I don't think anybody can hang with her right now. But I don't, I, you know, this is not one of those things where I do think that women's fighting has gotten better. I do think that the talent is is gotten deeper. Um, but there is such a level to where Amanda is compared to everybody else because Amanda's still of that old era as well. Like she was still there on the ground floor where Ronda Rousey was exploding and taking over and, you know, women's fighting was becoming such a big deal. Um, you know, and she's the best. And the, and the thing that was interesting, you know, I had somebody say last night, oh, she should go over to boxing. You know, there's an, once you get, have this many colleges, people are coming up with just wacky stuff. Have her fight Clarissa Shields. Um, maybe she will one day, but it's going to be Clarissa Shields coming. Like the only reason you would do Clarissa Shields in boxing is to hope that Clarissa Shields has a prayer because, um, if it's a money thing, you know, Clarissa Shields was just fighting this past weekend on what fight TV and no disrespect to the people at fight TV, but it's not one of the major boxing networks. This is the greatest, uh, or the best women's boxer on the planet. And, you know, not on a network. So, you know, there's a reason that Clarissa Shields wants to make the transition to mixed martial arts. They're treated better. You know, they're treated better. Um, the fights are the same. You know, women's boxing, it's two-minute rounds. They find that there's a reason not to pay him as much as if anybody cares. You know, you wouldn't, you know, we just watched Mike Tyson fight two-minute rounds and everybody loved it. But uh, Clarissa Shields does it. They find it as a reason not to pay her as much. Um. No, the top the the top dog. This is not like boxing, where like, you know, Teofimo Lopez is gonna make four million dollars to fight George Cambosis, and no UFC fighter could even dream about making that kind of money unless you're fighting Conor McGregor. Women's mixed martial arts is the top combat sport. It is so for her. Um, there's no there's no reason for her to cross over to sports. People need to cross over to come see her. That's 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 what the freak show is. Um. You know, she's the A side on that, if you will, you know, and I think, and, and that's not a knock on like Clarissa Shields. I love Clarissa Shields, but you know, for whatever reason, you know, boxing just doesn't get behind their women. Like, like, uh, like the UFC does. They just don't, um, which is crazy for a sport that we're we talking eight years ago. Didn't want them in the sport at all. Crazy. Um, well, not in the sport in the promotion, I should say strike force still had women. As far as uh, the main event is concerned, let's switch on over to that. So Jan Blahovich, he was defending his light heavyweight title against Israel Adesanya. And the last style bender was moving up in weight. He weighed in at a cool 200.5 pounds for this matchup and was trying to become a simultaneous champion. And it was a bummer for a couple of weeks. One, it was like, oh, I wish we would have done this when John Jones was in the division. You guys hate each other like poison. That's what we uh, wanted to see. But, um, you know, is doing in his way, you know, with his little battle with John Jones is doing his nod that he is moving up, uh, right away where John, it took him forever to even consider the move to heavyweight. Um, you know, but I gotta be honest with you. Like, you know, I told you last week, my pick was Izzy to win. So I did, I did pick Izzy to win. I did think that he was going to win the fight. I thought that he would have gotten a a way to get this decision. Um, but I told you not to count Jan out. Like I, 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 you know, that performance against Dominic Reyes, where everybody was looking at Dominic as the uncrowned champ, the guy who was wronged, he was going there almost as a coronation and he got blasted. 
Um, I thought that, uh, I, I, I really thought that it would be a mistake to count out Jan in this, in this performance. Now he didn't go even win it the way I thought he would. I would, I, I was just thinking like, yeah, I mean, you're telling me that it's crazy as he just runs into something, uh, runs into something hot, uh, a big, powerful shot. Nah, I wasn't going to do that. The way he went about it and won it where he was getting the takedowns and, uh, was dominating on top and was very active on top and really used that weight, uh, you know, it was just smart. It was just smart on Jan's, uh, uh, from Jan's game planning because, you know, I, I do think that Izzy was faster on the feet. I did think, I, I tell you this, the, the thing that I thought was a misstep from the coverage uh, from, from, from Rogan, who, you know, I don't think is as good as he used to be. Uh, DC, I think, is the best in the business. And I don't even think they use it like enough on the nights where they have Rogan and, and DC because they really let them dominate the call. And I get why they're the, you know, Rogan's the Rogan's super famous. And, and so when he's on a broadcast, they, they like to make it a special thing, which I'm not saying is a bad, he's been there forever. I, I get it. I, I, I get it. I'm not here to dump on Joe Rogan, but I did think that the cover, I did think that their perception of the fight was wrong. Like they, they were looking at this as a fight where, they thought that Jan was very, very behind, uh, just because he was biting on feints that he was that he was that he was biting on all of Izzy's moves, and I and I just looked at it as like, well, I think he kind of has to. Like, you have to respect a guy like Israel Adesanya. You have to respect everything that he may attempt to throw, and eventually hope that you're going to come back with your own stuff, which he was. It's not like he was doing that like Yo Romero. Yo Romero was just shut up the entire time. And really didn't fire back and was waiting for one bomb. No, Jan was throwing back. He was throwing back kicks to the body. He was throwing jabs. He was throwing stuff every now and then. Wasn't all landing. Izzy's a very good defensive fighter. But you would come back and you would see these numbers and you were acting like Izzy was out striking him like 40 to 12. And he'd come back and Jan was out striking him every single round. So I just thought that their, their thought of it in that, in that fight was off because... You know, I thought that Izzy took the first round, but it was a pretty meek round. Like, it was your classic two guys. One guy's a power striker. One guy's a speed striker. Feeling each other out. Izzy was hitting some leg kicks. You know, but it was pretty even. And I think Jan ended up getting more strikes on that. I think he ended up outstriking like 16 to 10. So it's a coin toss. You know, some maybe some judges nod to the champ. Who knows? Um... Round two, I thought that that was uh, was pretty clearly a Jan round. I thought that Jan definitely took round one, hit him with some combinations, hit him with a strong right hand, got him in the clench at one point. Izzy, I poked him, nut shot him one time. That was kind of it. Three was where Izzy really had his best round. Like they kept acting like Izzy was dominating these first three rounds. I was like, nobody really took it over, and it was kind of even. And I could see Jan taking it, and the stats. Bared that out. Three was the one where Izzy really seemed like he was swinging it because they had Jan was going for his first takedown. He ended up uh, he ended up in a, a sprawl as he sprung up, hit him with a big shot that caught Jan off balance. Probably looked a little bit worse than it was, but there wasn't much action at that point. It was definitely the biggest shot of the fight. And you know, so at this point they're like, "Oh man, well Izzy's probably up 3-0 at this point." And I was like, eh, "I think it's two one." 
I think it's 2-1, but they acted like this was this huge um, this huge thing. And they kept, like Joe Rogan said, I remember after round two, he was like, oh, Izzy is getting out. Izzy, Izzy is outstriking him. Well, he's outstriking. He's like, he made this no, well, Izzy's outstriking. And he wasn't. He wasn't. Round three, though, uh, it did look like Izzy was finding his comfort zone. He was getting more comfortable. He was finding his range. Um, but still, like, you know, didn't really turn up the juice at any point in this fight. Like, really was at that point. It wasn't like the Paolo Costa fight where once he had him, he pounced and was unloaded on him. Like, you know, he, he, he still respected Jan very much, worried about that power, knew about the takedown probability. And that's really where the fight swung. I mean, you got to the fourth round and um, there was like, three minutes left in the fourth round and he, and he took him down and, and, and it was a very offensive takedown too. This wasn't Jan just laying on him. Like he, uh, I think we saw that we'll get to the, uh, you know, some of the undercard stuff coming up later on, but like I thought the, the chat of like, you know, people were drooling all over Makachev and I was like, yeah, it was, it was okay. It was for the first two rounds, especially like they were acting like, you know, this is, you know, the second coming of Habib. And I'm like, all right, but it most, mostly he just held him down, and and the guy was avoiding getting uh getting his ass whooped. But it really wasn't like if if Khabib wasn't in the guy's corner, we wouldn't say anything about it. But I'll save that for next segment. Um, with Jan, Jan was being very offensive. He was looking for shots. He was dishing out punishment to Izzy. Izzy looked tired. Izzy knew that he was wearing uh a lot of weight on that. And then round five, it looked very similar to when Izzy was on the feet and actually probably looked like Izzy was in a spot to probably take the fight. Cause I, at that point had a two, two 38, 38 after two. Cause I had Izzy winning the first Jan second, third Izzy fourth Jan. So 38, 38 on my scorecard. Not that anybody cares, but that's the way I had it. And yeah, it looked like Izzy was probably on his way. And then halfway through, Bang, hits him with another takedown and really dominates. You know, again, really looking for his strikes, really looking for uh good position. And Jan Blahovich uh, you know, did not let his championship slip away. So a great performance by Jan. Um, you know, I, he said yeah, you know, that that makes him feel like the true champ. Uh so he should. He should feel happy with himself and, and that performance and where he goes from here as far as you know, title defenses. He's going to take a little time off. He is 38, uh, but he's going to be fighting. He's going to be fighting probably Glover Teixeira. And, uh, man, Jan Blahovich, Glover Teixeira for the uh, for the championship. But, you know, yeah, who do you go with? Like, you can't – you're not going to go with Thiago Santos. He lost tonight. Alexander Rakic, not an inspiring performance by any means. I know he was calling for the title shot. That was probably the worst fight of the night, to be honest with you. Um, you know, so there's really no other choices unless somebody, you know, somebody else, unless John Jones decides, ah, forget heavyweight. I'm going to come back and fight. There's really nothing else to go for it. Um, I think that, you know, I would be active in that division to see, uh, if I could move my way up. Um, as far as Adesanya is concerned, you know, his first career loss and he took a big risk, which you respect, you know, he went and, and, and he tried to, uh, to do something great. You know, I really tried to jump up and do it. You know, this wasn't a uh, a calculated move up like John Jones has been. Uh, I will say, like, look, 
the thought definitely crossed my mind and John tweeted it out. Uh, he tweeted it out last night where he said something to the effect of, I'll get the exact tweet up here in a second, but he said something to the effect of, if you ever thought Izzy could beat me, slap yourself. And he goes, uh, here we go. He goes, if you ever wrote about, uh, if you ever, here we go. If you ever wrote me talking, believe about Izzy beating me, slap yourself. And, you know, I, I think it's tough to say now that you watched that fight with Jan. It's tough for me to, to think that Izzy could have anything for John Jones. It is. I don't, you know, I, people are like, you can't MMA math for Tobin. You can't, you know, it's not, every fight's different. It is. Look, like, you know, we could do that with Dominic Reyes, Jan. Like, you know, uh, if I, I thought Jan was going to walk through Jan Blahovich, Dominic Reyes was going to walk through Jan Blahovich back when they fought. And look what happened. But, you know, Jan's not, like, known for his wrestling. It's not like, it's not something he goes to, to the well for a lot. Jan does. And he's bigger and he's a more versatile striker. And I don't think the kick thing is going to work too great for you as much. Um, you know, I just think that you got to respect the guy as the goat. I really, really do. Um, I, I just, the, the, the amount of ways I think he has to go beat you. He's got a lot in the toolbox. I think a lot more than Jan Blahovich. Plus he has the size. Um, I just think it's gonna. I think it would be a tough night for for Izzy, and Izzy's not one of these guys who has like knock you dead power. He's got precision striking. He can get certain guys, but there are certain guys that he hasn't. You know, it's it's a coin toss on certain nights, and you know, I just I don't see the path to victory there for for Israel Adesanya anymore. Um. Not that I did beforehand. I mean, I thought John would, would beat him if they ever crossed paths because I don't pick anybody against John Jones. You know, maybe Francis Ngannou in the first 30 seconds that they fight. But, you know, in my mind, John Jones is the best. He's the best walking the planet. He's the best to ever do it. Um, but this solidified it in my mind. Like, yeah, I don't, I don't think Israel Adesanya can go beat John Bones Jones in a mixed martial arts match. But look... I give him nothing but props for going and trying like, you know, big onions on that. You stepped up and wait. It's like going back to like the Dillashaw thing. Like I never gave like the Dillashaw thing or I never gave that a rat's ass. Like, Oh, you're going to go cut down to flyaway to go win the belt. First of all, I needed tons of uh, uh, illegal supplements to do it. And second of all, who cares? You go beat the smaller guy. You know, you step up, you try and beat the guy who's bigger than you. That's something, you know, that's a Hollywood script right there. And he tried, he came up short. It's okay. You know, there's still, he's still the man at middleweight. It's a big jump too, man. It's 185 to 205. This isn't a 10 pound jump. It's a 20 pound jump. And it's even more than that. Cause he's not even at 205. And then the guy he's fighting's uh, blowing up even bigger. So it's a big discrepancy. It's a big discrepancy. And sometimes size matters. It does. Sorry to tell you fellas. Sometimes it matters. But for him, he goes down to goes down to middleweight. Still some fun fights there. He's a fun champion. And, you know, Jan Blachowicz gets his respect. So 
Come back. We'll recap some more stuff from the card in the week that was. We're back after this. Welcome back, everybody. Tobin's Fight Show here on 790 The Ticket. Let's get into some more stuff from last night. So, yeah, let's get into uh, some of the stuff from, from elsewhere in the card. Now, you had... Uh, I told you, we mentioned a little bit, Tiago Santos versus uh, uh, Alexander uh, Rakic. Probably the worst fight of the night. I didn't catch the first uh, few prelims, but a lot of the prelims were awesome. Um, that was definitely the most lackluster i think uh back and forth between those two really really not entertaining rockets was uh but and, and and tough for both of them too because i think that uh both had an opportunity to really put themselves uh in in a position to go and get a title shot if they did something spectacular a lot was made of tiago santos's uh speed and you know th- the types of injuries that he had against john jones were so vicious and you just remember the, the the reckless abandon that he went into that fight with. So we haven't seen that guy for a couple of fights now, uh, and that was uh, and that was that. So you know, for 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 my mind, um, not a great fight there. The other one everybody was excited about was Islam Makachev taking on Drew Dober. Islam Makachev ended up getting him with an arm triangle in the third. Um, uh, you yeah, look, I don't want to be a hater. All right. Although I will say plenty of the fighters were hating on his ass on Islam Makhachev, Nate, Nate Diaz, Michael Chandler, plenty of people were coming out and, 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 and going crazy over Islam Makhachev. I will say this one. You had DC on the call. Who's a teammate. You have Joe. Joe's always like, you know, people don't get grappling and look, I get the art of grappling. Okay. As far as a fan, I'm not like one of these guys all boo. Uh, you know, if, if they go to the ground, but we got a little nutty with Islam Makachev. I just felt like if that guy didn't have Khabib Nurmagomedov in his corner, we wouldn't be going this nutty over him. But he is like, he is the, the, the heir to the throne, if you will. That's the guy that Khabib is really dubbing as the next guy. Now, look, he had a good performance. He dominated Drew Dober from ever getting onto his feet. But one of the things that I think he was really missing up until the third round was I thought that he could have gone and dished out some more punishment. I felt like he could have gone uh, and and tried to put a little bit more pain on Drew. It felt like he just exhausted Drew. And then by the time they got to the third round, he got to this arm triangle. And, you know, maybe there was a lot of pressure on that shoulder. Or maybe Drew was just exhausted, man. A lot of people thought that he just kind of was just like, I quit on this fight, not necessarily quit on this position and what it's doing to me. And that's coming from guys like Ben Askren. That's coming from guys who are actually in the sport and know the sport. I didn't find it to be that thrilling a fight. I didn't find Islam Makachev's performance to be that fantastic. Um, but look, I was late to the Habib party too. You know, I'm I I I clearly admit that all the time when it when it comes to Nurmaga Madoff and his greatness. I thought that the last chapter of his career, as those last three fights showed him get better and better and better, and his fights got more entertaining. Um, but, you know, some of the early ones were not that fantastic. And and by the way, the even the ones Habib did have, I mean, they blew this performance out of Islam Makachev out of the water. Quite frankly, I'll tell you who I thought was more dominant on the ground today was Sean Brady. I saw what Sean Brady did, and I know it's against Jake Matthews, you know, do, you know, so... MMA math, whoever you want on top there. But I thought the way Sean Brady went and dominated him on the ground, the punishment that he was dealing out, and then the submission that he got, um, 
when he probably didn't even really need that. I mean, the way that he was pummeling Jake Matthews, but just kept looking for more ways to make it impressive. And Sean Brady, body tattoo and all, that thing is getting crazy. I saw that uh, some quote, I think, from Mark Romandi that he wants to get a Japanese body tattoo. Do you, man. Whatever the hell you want to do with that demon on your back is uh, is crazy. Is crazy. But uh, it's uh, it's one of those things where... He was more impressive to me than 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 Makachev was uh, on this on this night. And as far as the other fights are concerned, you had uh, Kai Kara France. He uh, uh, Kai Kara France. He had himself an, uh, a KO walk off piece against uh, Rodrigo Bonturon, and he he walked it off himself, which is actually funny because he was more of a, a judge of punishment than Herb Dean is, and got himself a victory. They ended up. Herb was like kind of like standing over there, so he wasn't sure if he called the fight. And then he was about to go in for another punch. And then uh, Rodrigo uh, threw his mouthpiece at him. So that got a little bit weird. Um, you know, you had Kyler Phillips, went over Song, uh, Song Yadong. Good performance by him. Oscar Askarov beat Joseph Benavidez pretty soundly. The one thing I will say that's kind of crabby for Joe Benavidez, though, is he keeps having to fight these guys at flyweight who don't come in on weight. You know, and that sucks for him, you know, like because he already had this with uh, Figueiredo with the title fight, which definitely, I think, messes with you mentally that a guy's coming in heavier and then it's not like a pure title fight because you're the only one who can win it. Um, And now he's dealing with it again. So that really sucks, I think, for for uh, for for Joe Benavides. I, I really, really do believe that. Uh, last night, performances of the night, you had Euros, Medic, Kai Kara, France got performances of the night, and then Kennedy and Chikuwu, his win over Carlos Uberg, that was in the prelims, the early prelims, that was an awesome fight, if you guys didn't see that, I think they posted it back up on ESPN+, Plus. but that was, uh, Kennedy's comeback win in that one was absolutely sick, because Uberg looked like he was, uh, gonna cruise his way to a victory on that one, and he did not. Uh, it was a hell of a comeback, hell of a performance. So that is a deserved fight of the night, even though it was uh, much earlier on. And I don't think you can really put much argument to it on the main events. Um, although I will say, I think Amanda Nunes was probably deserving of a performance of the night, quite frankly. I guess, you know, maybe you're judging that on the curve just because of the opposition. But, you know, that that I thought was about as pristine as it gets. Um so those were performances of the night. Um, next week we got coming up, we got Leon Edwards. He's going to be fighting Bala Muhammad. Uh, disappointing that we're not going to get the Hamzat Shermayev fight. Um, uh, it's a big one for Leon. There's a lot of pressure on this fight for Leon Edwards simply because I do think that he has a big opportunity in front of him. Similar to what we were talking about with Santos and, and Rogers. I do think that welterweight looks like it's turning towards Usman versus Masvidal, but I do think that Leon Edwards has been inactive. He has not fought. Nobody knows who he is. I don't know if just a win over Bilal Muhammad, a last-minute opponent, who is dangerous, who is well-rounded, I don't know what that does for him in the in the race of things. Doing it against Hamzat, Hamzat had a little bit of smoke behind him. People knew of him. You know, he was going to beat the boogeyman. Even if he was unranked, it was going to mean something. So I really do think Leon needs a big highlight real performance type of night to uh to to put himself back into the toxins you know this this idea of you know colby not wanting to fight him and and george not wanting to fight him i kind of get it like i get that he's good but he also like what is there in it for for them to fight him uh especially when you're a guy like masvidal and you know that the champ wants to fight you because you're the big money fight and colby you know colby's kind of in the same camp like 
Is Colby going to benefit that much from fighting Leon Edwards? Or if he were to stick around, would he get another fight with Usman anyway? You know, it's debatable. So I do think there's a lot of pressure on uh, on Leon Edwards, but I do think it's a great opportunity as well. If he does do something that's sensational, that should earn him a, so- a shot against maybe putting Colby on the same card as uh, whenever. I guess uh, what did uh, George said to... Uh, I think it was to Boxing Social this week. I think he mentioned that it was going to be in September. You know, which is a, a ways away. But if you're Leon Edwards, you know, you fight now. That's in what six? We're talking six months. It's about right. It's about right. Um, maybe he wants to be more active than that. I don't know. But uh, I think it's a big one for him. I really, really do. I think it's a. I think it's a big performance coming up his way. As far as that's concerned, I'm going to pick him to win. I think that he should get the win over Bilal Muhammad, who I think is very well rounded. But it's a tough fight to take on. Uh, Last minute, unless it gets into Leon's heads, you know, if, if he's maybe taken Bilal easy because he thinks that Hamzat was the uh, the much tougher fight. We'll, we'll, we'll wait and see. But I mean, uh, if anything, like, listen, Bilal has been through, he's been through the ringer, man. I mean, that guy's a, that guy's a real veteran of the sport. Hamzat's kind of a uh, new onto the scene. It really is. I, I'm going to, I'm going to save this just to kind of give you guys a podcast tease. I, I, you know, we're out of time here, so I can't get into it, but uh, we'll get into, if you guys want, I, I got some thoughts on Hamzat Shermayev. And uh, what went down with him this week? Because he kind of re- he retired from the sport, and you know now is seemingly being forced by his uh, country to to continue fighting. And there's a lot of thoughts I got on it, but I unfortunately we had a big pay review last night, so I don't really have time to get into it now. So if you can download the podcast, uh, it'll be up there on the Radio.com app, uh, Apple Podcasts, wherever podcasts are available, and we'll get into it uh, there. But that's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you next time. Okay, uh, podcast exclusive segment here, everybody. This is a podcast exclusive. Ran out of time. I had too much stuff to get to in the uh, post-fight recap and everything that we had to get to. It was a controversial night. Uh, you know, had to dedicate a lot of time to obviously uh, what happened in the what do you call a co-main event? That's uh, that's third up from the car. Is it a co-co co-co main event? You know, the f- the first title fight of the night. Obviously, it was controversial. And then, um, you know, a lot to debate. I saw Dana got a little bit nutty, too, with the scores and with the 10-8s. They were a little bit willy-nilly with the 10-8s today, I will say. Uh, I don't know what is 10. You know, 10-8 is such a hard thing um, to judge because this is the what, this is what I think about 10-8s, which, which sucks in, in, uh, in MMA. I really think it's hard to i don't think it's i i think it's not fair that grapplers and guys who are good at wrestling have a much easier time getting 10 eights in the world they want to go to so what i mean by that is the one thing that's a little bit nutty like 10 eights uh first of all in boxing like for example like 10 eight in boxing it's, you know, it's basically a guy gets knocked down, touches the canvas. That's a 10-8 round. Touches it again, 10-7. You know, sometimes they'll be like, oh, I don't want to, you know, make it too late. But normally it's, the rule is the rule. You hit the canvas, you're, you, it's it's a 10-8 round. And it can even be a 10-7 if you can make him touch the canvas twice. Touch it three times, could be a 10-6. Although usually by that time, we're, we're you know, and then the reason it's never really a problem is normally we're probably heading to the point where the, uh, the fight's going to be over. But my problem with mixed martial arts is 
My problem with mixed martial arts is there's really not a, a way for a guy to get a 10-8 just based on strikes. Like, unless he really puts him up against the cage and beats the holy hell out of him, um, you really can't get a 10-8. And those are rare because normally the fight's going to get stopped. And, you know, most of the time they give out these 10-8s where I do agree with Dana is like, yeah, if a guy basically just holds a guy down for... 60% of a round, but he really doesn't damage him that much. Like, I, I didn't think Jan should have gotten, uh, I didn't think that he should have gotten 10, 10, uh, 10 eights. People were talking about that with the Makachev fight, too. They were like, oh, that's 10 eight. I'm like, why? He didn't even punch him in the face. He laid on him. You know, that's how he went about to go win the fight. Good for him. Like, do we give 10 eights to, uh, to Damian Maya when he doesn't? submit a guy properly no we never give him 10 eights but when a guy lays on top of you for some reason we find this to be uh so worthy of getting an extra uh, an extra point and it's especially tough in mixed martial arts because the points are precious man like i don't think you should be um i don't even think you should be you know i think you should be super super diligent about giving those out because we're talking mostly three round fights. So you're talking about basically wiping the possibility of winning a fight out of somebody's hands uh, and certain in, in, in most contests, but I would be more okay with it. If there was a better way for strikers to get 10 eights as well, like for example, pure to yawn, uh, getting the knockdown in the, in the first round, you know, would should that be worth something more? Now, in my eyes, that kind of won the round anyway because I thought that uh, that Aljamain was winning the round, and that kind of swung it for me. I was like, yeah, never mind. I think Pyotr won the round. But in boxing, if that were to happen, and you're getting your butt kicked for most of the round, and then a guy knocks you down, typically doesn't matter. That's back. Not only do does that guy win the round, but he uh, not only does that guy win the round. But it's 10-8. Sometimes, you know, this happened in the Tyson Fury fight. Sometimes people think if you get knocked down, you can come back and earn a point back. Uh, and in boxing, I think you have to be like really, really like you need to be on the verge of getting that guy back, almost putting him on the canvas. That's a my, that's just my opinion because I think knocking a guy down is really, really hard. But um, yeah, that was, I don't know. I, I just saw those comments and I found them fascinating where he's like, uh, he thinks that they're getting bad advice. I don't necessarily, uh, and I don't necessarily disagree with him. I, I I think that scoring in mixed martial arts, judging's messed up everywhere, but I do think scoring in mixed martial arts, like they got to figure out something. You know, like I don't know what the right solution is, but it has to be like tit for tat. Like it has to be like if, if a guy... Because we're talking MMA, right? Like we're talking about the blending of martial arts. If 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 you shouldn't be able to get a a point advantage because of your style, you know, I I feel like I feel like everybody's style should have the ability to find their way to getting those points. And you could argue, no, anybody could take it. No, they can't. You know, like Kamar Usman versus Jorge Masvidal. Let's say that fight, right? You know, Camaro has got a way to get 10 eights in that round in a fight and maybe rally in a fight or get a big lead in a fight. That Jorge just doesn't unless he absolutely beat the beats the brakes off of Camaro, but in a way where 
the fight doesn't get finished. So that's what I'm saying. Speaking of a guy who who probably could get 10 eights, uh, Hamza Shemayev. So Hamza is uh, really blow. If you guys, you know, I'm sure if you listen to the show, you know, he blew up on the scene on Fight Island, won a couple of fights within 10 days, won another fight. You know, and then really set up this fight with Leon Edwards. Like, everybody's like, oh, this guy should blow up to the title picture. You know, hype train behind him was strong. And him and Leon has been thrown off a couple of times because of COVID. But mostly it has been because Hamza Shremaev has been uh, really, really dealing with a tough, tough case of COVID-19. Um, he shared some pictures this week of himself coughing up blood and basically put something in Russian on his Instagram to the effect of, I'm done. And this set off panic alarms because, you know, look, people like Hamza Shemaev, they're excited to watch him fight. And you're talking about a guy having the in the prime of his career, a prime athlete, which in a disease that's mostly thought of as something that affects the old, that affects people with um, previous health problems, which I don't know if Hamza has or not, but I know that he's a guy 26 years old and better shape than i could ever hope to be in and this thing's got a real grip on him and so he apparently according to dana white went training when he wasn't supposed to be training and didn't react well and you know posted something emotionally but the thing that actually kind of pissed me off was this uh chechenian or this chechen dictator this chechen i guess is the president what do you what do you this chechen President, I've seen him interviewed on, I guess he's the president, leader, leader of Chechnya, uh, 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 Ramzan Kurayev. And this guy basically puts out this post about Hamzat and is like, he, you know, I've talked him out of retirement. I've explained to him what, you know, he means to the youth here. I'm paraphrasing, you know. And that, you know, we're going to bring him back to Chechnya to train and that it's all going to be okay. You know, he's going to be okay, but he needs to do this to, to, to be a great role model. And, you know, it made me just wildly uncomfortable for a couple of reasons. One, this guy has a disease that has killed, you know, half a million people. Seems like is dealing with some real ill effects of it, you know, has a sport where, you know, cardio is not just your ability to breathe is not just a matter of winning a fight. It really is a matter of health injury and, you know, in some cases life or death, you know, I don't want to get that dramatic about it, but you know, mostly let's just, you know, put it at your consciousness and your health, you know, your ability to, to go win fights. And yeah, it just found all of it just very uh, uncomfortable where I see Dana White, you know, rushing to make sure the guy doesn't retire. And, and, you know, I, I saw that they were trying to get him tested at the Institute. So I suppose that's good stuff for him, but, uh, better off than him, you know, getting, you know, thrown up as a propaganda piece in Chechnya. And the other thing is, you know, the backstory on this Kurdayev guy, if you've seen this real sports on him, I haven't done the, you know, the deep dives and there's some bloody elbow pieces that do real deep dives into him, but this guy, like he believes in like, he, he wishes fighting was fighting to the death. Like he's told, reporter on HBO that like he wishes fighting was fight to the death and you know he's also hosted a lot of UFC fighters before and I'm sure it would be great pride if a guy from Chechnya even though 
uh, Hamza did immigrate with his family to Sweden, it would be great pride of a guy who is from there who became champion. Much like it is like, you know, Khabib being from Dagestan or uh, think that Jan is from Siberia. You know, all these different parts. Russia is a big place. I don't know if you guys know this. But this guy is from this this from Chechnya. And so, man, I found it super uncomfortable. Like that they, this guy's sitting here and not just worried about fighting, worried about living. You know, you, you feel like you can't be stopped. You're the most unstoppable thing in the sport of UFC. And then all of a sudden you can't breathe correctly. Um, I just found all of it really, really bad. And I think that we really need to we need to do a better job with these fighters of listening to them. You know, there's so many enablers. There's so many people that try and glam onto that, that, that either last glory or, or that heat. And whether it be promoters, sponsors, whomever, uh, I think that we should have more respect for when fighters want to call it quits like Habib Nurmagomedov wanted to get out, good for Habib, you know? Like, everybody's like, ah, you know, they're trying to talk him into one more. How could you do it? How could you do it? Hey, for now, why don't you just let him leave for now, you know? Um, similarly, like George St. Pierre. George St. Pierre wants to come back. He wants to come back. He only wants to come back for Habib. Hey, come back for tomorrow. You, you obviously want to come back. You're training. Um, same with Antonio Tarver. Wanted to come back and do a crazy fight against Frank Mir. I'm cool with it. If Frank, if, if, if Tarver wants to go do it, I'm not cool with, you know, guys getting pushed into it because they feel like, oh, you know, we can make a couple bucks off the guy. So I don't know. It just pissed me off seeing that this week. I know that there's uh it's it's different cultures, it's different powers that be, but it didn't sit well with me. It didn't sit well with me seeing uh Hamza Shermayev basically being uh forced into fighting when he doesn't seem like he's got the body to do it right now. So hopefully he has a very, very speedy recovery. Hopefully they're diligent in giving him all the time that he needs to come back. And, um, you know, I hope that he just lives a good life, man, because it was fun watching him fight. It was fun watching his, uh, his quick, quick rise. And it was going to be fun seeing him fight Leon Edwards, but you know, this thing's got a, a weird grip on on, on certain people in a, in a way that I don't I still don't think we understand. So anyway, that's our show for today. That was my special bonus podcast segment. Oh, you know what? I did want to mention one more thing. I never got to this in the recap, but the Dominic Cruz thing was funny to me. Uh, I don't have much of an opinion on it because I don't know much about this. Who was this guy that he was? It was some Monster Energy Hans. Hans the Monster Energy guy, and apparently this guy is like. He basically won't. He's in. He's basically their account executive for Monster for Monster Energy. Monster Energy is an energy drink. They sponsor a lot of stuff. They sponsor, um, you know, mostly extreme sports and other all kinds of sports. But they're no, like they are. A, they've been a sponsor for UFC for a long, long time, and uh, are associate. And they were the center actual. Uh, they were the actual center sponsor today for the UFC. And Dominic Cruz like wants to fight this guy, and they're like Joe Rogan had no idea what was going on. He's like, oh, all right, well, we don't want to get too political, and uh, he's like, this isn't political. It's about Monster Energy, Joe. So that was kind of funny. But this guy apparently is like holding uh, fighters' paychecks 
hostage for clout, according to Dominic Cruz. And now he wants to fight this guy who's, you know, just a big burly guy. He's got like, uh, he's got a, he kept saying he's got a hundred pounds on me, but very weird. But there's that weird moment. And then who was the other weird moment that happened today? It was, uh, was it Tim Elliott? Was it Tim Elliott who was uh, calling his opponent a woman beater? I think it was. Yeah, I think it was. Uh, I think it was Tim Elliott. Let me get this uh, straight because I don't want to. This is a pretty big. This is a big one to get the facts on it uh, correct. And then I'll wrap up this uh, podcast for everybody. Very raw here from my uh, garage studios. Uh, yeah, it was Tim Elliott who beat the holy hell out of Jordan Espinoza. And he said, I heard you choked a woman in 2018. You a woman beater? Are you an effing woman beater? And was beating. And then they like cut out the audio then on ESPN. But that was a weird moment too. There was some weird stuff tonight, man. It was a, that's why I had to go uh extra podcast version. There was a lot of stuff to cover from tonight in general, but Anyway, thank you for tuning in. And if you miss any of uh, if you miss any of our shows or miss any of our interviews, go check them on out. Download, uh, subscribe to the podcast, and uh, subscribe to the Tobin and Leroy Show on Twitch. We are on Twitch now every single weekday from six to ten a.m. You guys can watch us live, so go follow us there. Seven ninety the ticket on Twitch. Seven nine zero the ticket, and that is that. Have a good one, everybody.